Hey everybody, and welcome to the One Wild Life podcast with me, Abby Barnes. This is simply a show about life, and as such, there are no boundaries to where our conversations can take us. Along the way, we hope to inspire, empower, educate, and uplift, exploring how we can all live our best lives. Before we get started, I want to mention that this podcast is hosted by Spend More Time in the Wild, which I founded in 2016 to help individuals get outside for the benefit of mental and physical health. Over the last few years, the project has grown into a worldwide community of passionate and courageous individuals working together to enjoy the beauty of our wild spaces and protect them for generations to come. You can find out more about both the podcast and Wild by visiting www.spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening or head on to YouTube to watch the full episode. Hey folks, and welcome to season two of the One Wildlife Podcast. Season two, I can't believe it's season two, man. It's like, I don't know, Game of Thrones, but better because it's the One Wildlife Podcast. Uh, anyway, so I'm really pumped to be back and I'm so glad to hear that you guys are, are tuning in, listening again. And we are jumping back in with the final guest we had on season one, and that was Andrew Miller. He's an ex-military specialist. He works in business and marketing and coaching and the outdoors. And basically, he's just an all-round real nice guy. Before you jump into this episode, I definitely recommend that you listen to the final episode, so episode six of season one, where we dive into Andrew's life and sort of how Andrew became Andrew. It was a fantastic conversation, but we're diving in with him again today for a second part, a second conversation. We're going to be exploring a little bit more of a business focus. So whether you, I don't know, were a kid and you had your lemonade stand on the side of the road and you made a few bucks there, or whether you did cake sales when you were at school, most of us have some kind of like businessy route within us. And it's fun. It's exciting. Many of us have dreams to, you know, run little small businesses alongside our bigger jobs. Making that transition can be hard and scary. Perhaps we don't have a community that can support us. Well, today in this conversation, we're going to dive into all of that. And hopefully there'll be something that you can take away that might just inspire you to think a little bit broader and be a little bit braver. So, Andrew, hello and welcome back to the One Wildlife Podcast. Hello and thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, episode, no, sorry, season two, episode one. Crazy, yeah. eh? Nuts. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? Oh, your hair is looking good. For those of you who can, if you're listening, definitely jump on the video. This is a good looking guy. Got to put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking before we went live about the L'Oreal, like hair flick. (laughs) Because I'm worth it. (laughs) Well, listen, Andrew, just as a wee refresher for anybody who has decided just to listen to this this episode before um, our previous conversation, would you mind just giving a real brief overview of you, your life, and basically how you've ended up in business and marketing coaching? Oh, absolutely not. Um, So very quick synopsis. I spent 12 years working in British military intelligence units in that sphere. Um, I came out 21 years ago. Um, I came out of the military 21 years ago and I had several opportunities to work in different fields. And I basically went into telecoms, telecoms training, consultancy. Basically, it had more money at the time. Um, Worked in consultancy 
with high-end telecoms. So for those that are interested, it's the stuff that powers the backbone of the internet. So all of the fiber optic stuff, essentially. Had a very good time doing that. Um, worked for several different companies. One of them was Swedish. One of them was French. Um, decided towards the end of that, I think it was about three and a half years, to ask for voluntary redundancy and start my own consultancy. There was a number of reasons around doing that, the least of which was I prefer to manage myself. Um, and I think one of the just going into is self-employment right for me. Mm. If you're the type of individual who wants to run their own life, who wants to make their own money, who wants to make their own decisions, all of that kind of thing, self-employment probably is. And it came to a head that I think I'd had, you know, I, I sort of left that permanent job and had numerous smaller interim jobs, et cetera. And my wife basically said, you know, you, why just don't you work full-time for yourself because you either keep getting sacked, fired, escorted out of, you know, and it was like, actually, yeah, you're right. My driving force is I don't tolerate fools. Mm. And if I'm in charge, it's I'm the fool if it goes wrong. So I've got nobody else to blame. Yeah. Um, bit of a blunt conversation I had. So I've done leadership management development training all over the world from chief execs downwards, um, literally all over the world. So Middle East, um, North Africa, um, yeah, Middle East, North Africa, North America, all over Europe, all over the UK. I've done management development consultancy, project management consultancy for some of the larger companies in the UK. I decided 15 years ago to start a wedding photography business at the height of a recession in 2007-2008. And 15 years later, I'm still going strong. Um, on the back of that, I also do a lot of photography business training. I'm a business mentor for Business Wales. I also run um, an outdoor business stroke lifestyle stroke mental health coaching company as well. And if you haven't clicked on, I like to be busy. Um, I can see I'll be laughing. Very there. true. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the worst thing for me is just to sit there with nothing to do. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I need to be busy and I enjoy all of those different aspects of that. It, it helps with my mental health and all yeah. of the tick boxes that I think that goes into making a person a bit more rounded. Yeah. Um, and I help at the core of me is just helping people. I love helping people. Absolutely. So whether it's the photography per se, whether it's training other newer small businesses on how to make money, whether it's coaching more established people and businesses through that and then coming on the back of that, the mental health side of it, I just enjoy helping people. So that is a very quick synopsis of 32 years. Well, thank you for that. And it's, it's amazing to hear all that you've done and all that you are doing. And I was going to say, is it possible for you to actually not be busy? Because <laughs> there's so much on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not busy. My wife will find things for me to do in the garden. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> the hole will always be filled. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's it. Well, listen, you you touched on self-employment there, and essentially, that's you know going to be the bulk of our conversation is self-employment, how to become self-employed, that sort of thing. And yes, we're giving advice, but also just hopefully going to provoke some thoughts in in listeners as to where they can steer their life if perhaps they're finding themselves feeling a bit stuck or unhappy or life's just a bit of a trudge and I want to just jump back to something you said there which was you know that conversation you had with your wife about doing your business and running running your business full time and obviously that was a conscious decision up until that point you were doing it alongside a number of other things sort of on the side yeah and 
there's there has been i feel a little bit of a trend you know follow your dream and 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 that's that's all good but often i think there's a temptation to just dump everything and step over the line and pursue your dream with every hour of every day rather than making a soft transition and i'm just interested uh, to hear your opinion as, as a mentor as a coach what you would say to somebody who you know perhaps they listen to this conversation they get really pumped and they're like i'm going to leave my day job i'm going to i'm going to put all my time and energy into this like what would you say to somebody if you were working with them and they're suddenly super passionate um to help guide them into a successful future um right straight in with a big question i'm just going to read a, a bit of a quote so small businesses make up about 99 percent of all businesses in the uk you know, small micro businesses with a core. Yeah. That's about 5.8, 6.6 million small and medium businesses, mm. combined turnover of 2.2 trillion pounds. So we are a large, it's a huge number, isn't it? We it's are a large number. Um, 80% of those businesses will fail within the first year. Okay. After five years, 42% are still trading. It is not an easy thing to do. Mm. Being self-employed in my opinion is, is the best thing anybody can ever do but you must be prepared to wear a lot of different hats go through a lot of emotional issues a lot of relationship issues as well as your own issues so you need what you know an online presence executive a social media advisor an IT director an art director a finance director a marketing director a contract director a sales director product design product improvement website design <laughs> etc you need to do all of that if you are one person mm. hence I need to be busy all the time. So transitioning from, I'm not keen on my day job to, I want to do my, you know, where my heart goes. Absolutely fabulous. Don't just dump everything. Mm. Biggest piece of advice to give is make sure you have a minimum of six months money in your bank before you jump. Mm. Um, after, and I'm, I, I, I think I'm just gonna have a little bit of a reflection on that very quickly. I would probably go for about eight to nine months after the past 12 months that we've had. Um, so my wedding photography business, um, I will be photographing my seventh wedding in 16 months. Wow. That business and that, the, the, the house, all of that kind of needed to be funded in that time. Yes, I had money from the government, but it wouldn't be enough to keep it going. I'm probably going to revise my, my advice and say eight months in the bank. If we're going to just jump ship on a Friday and then start self-employment on a Monday. Mm. If I take you back a little bit, there's a couple of questions that you need to think about there. One, do I have eight months salary plus in the bank? And I mean all of the little bits and pieces in the bank and you won't touch it. Mm. Two, are you really worried about losing your house? If you can't pay the mortgage and you can't pay the rent after six months, they can and will start legal proceedings to evict you. That's a huge worry for people. So there's a bit of a mental stuff going on now. Number three, is it better to remain in full-time employment and then slowly, so I'm just going to sort of use two levels here. So you've got full-time employment up here, part-time employment down there, and slowly over a period of six to, six to eight months, perhaps, transition. That is a much safer option to do because you can get to that middle bit and very often companies and especially now will sort of give you that extra time to work part time. And that part time is what you're going to do on your self-employed business. Mm. 
if you've got a lot of money, so you're up here full time, you pay somebody to do all of that web design stuff down here. You pay them to set your website up, to do your videos, to do your marketing. I don't know anybody that has enough money to be able to do that off the back apart from people earning several hundred thousand pounds. Mm. They're not in the lifestyle business. If you win the lottery, <clears throat> excuse me, absolutely ditch your job on a Friday, start on a Monday, but you've got more than eight months money in the bank. Yeah. So two options, eight months salary in the bank or you transition slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it takes time to learn all of those different hats, how to design a website. Um, I'm, I'm self-taught, I'm a geek. If you don't know that, you have to pay somebody to do it. Mm. Designing a website can be anywhere between 250 to two and a half thousand pounds as an offcut. Yes, you can go to Wix and do all of the free things, but as you start getting clients, they're going to look at your presence and think, is it professional enough for me to want to give you money? So there's a mm. whole range of issues that go on before somebody even says, yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, so nice idea, but we need to go for a walk and have a serious conversation about, is it right for you That's it. to do that? So what else would you say then it should be put in place? Because the finance is one thing that's a very sort of hard fact. Like you need to look yeah. at the realities of being an adult in the 21st century, but there's got to be a mental element as well. Um, I think in yeah. some ways, self-employment can seem a little bit whimsical and, oh, you know, just do what I want kind of thing. But that's just not the case, is it? No, and, and I think a lot of people look at the lifestyle that I have, you know, potentially you have, my wife, mm. and all of my other self-employed friends and think, oh, you know, I spent three, four days in Snowdonia last week midweek um absolutely fantastic oh, that's a lovely lifestyle i want that well yeah. actually i work my backside off to get that absolutely. and that's where that mental stuff comes in it's not a matter of i've got loads of time it's actually i've got no work because of the pandemic but i have to put the work in to afford to do that mm. um i need to have that mental resilience and that mental support from a you know coach mentor whatever to help me through those times when you put your website up on a Monday and by the net, you know, the same week on the Friday, nobody has been in touch with you mm. and you are absolutely gutted. And you're thinking, it's the greatest website. I spent two and a half thousand pounds on it. I think I've got a great product. Why isn't anybody buying me? Mm. Well, there's a whole lot of reasons. It's not as simple as people think yeah. that takes a mental toughness, mental resilience, and the physical resilience to keep going and doing 18 hour days to constantly push it. So mm. it's not the lifestyle that people think it is. It takes time to get there. But, you know, when I get busy, you know, towards the end of this year, middle of this year, I'm going to be like a duck or a swan that's floating really nicely on the top. And my legs are doing that. Yeah. Going crazy. Or like the amount of work. <laughs> uh, and that's what people don't see. They don't see the hard work that goes in. Absolutely. No, that's, and that's, it's, a very good um, refresher and reminder of that. Um, and we'll, we'll actually come back onto the rejections. We'll come onto the mental resilience. Those are all things I'd like to touch on. But there's one other thing I'd like to explore with you before we dive into these things is heart. What about heart? Because yes, we can have mental resilience. We can have that as an attribute. Perhaps it's something we've worked on cultivating through having a tougher job when we were working in an employed sector. But you and I both absolutely love what we do you know and it, yeah. we we yeah. look forward to waking up the next day getting out of bed there is no there's no trial and tribulation there it's like cool let's do it i love this 
So what would you say to somebody about a motivation, whether they're pursuing something, a self-employment role for a financial reason, or whether they're pursuing a role for a heart-led reason, it's genuinely something they really enjoy. And to take the heart, because just to evolve that a little bit, you could be somebody that really loves doing something, perhaps as a hobby, you know, maybe it is going for hiking or mountaineering or skiing. What would you say to somebody who's like, yeah, I feel like I could, you know, set up my own adventure company or something like that. Where is the line between actually keeping something as a hobby because you really enjoy it and turning it into a business? Um, I don't think there is a definite line. It's, it's not a digital answer. It's, it's, um, it's a very analog, it's a very great answer. Yeah. Um, I've always had a hobby doing photography and it was, I needed to make money. Therefore I will charge people. Yeah. Um, that was the defining moment for me. I think, as a self-employed person, you look at what you want, what you enjoy doing. So we start with the emotive stuff, the emotional stuff, the, the real heart. Mm. And for instance, you, you enjoy making widgets um, and you do it part time and you sell on Etsy and you sell on Facebook and people keep saying, Oh, you really want to do this full time. You can make more money. And you know, you start thinking about that and you think, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe I can do that. You have to have 100% confidence that that widget that you're selling is the absolute best widget possible and beats every other widget on Etsy or on Facebook or wherever. Yeah. You have to have the, the passion for that widget or that product, whatever the product is, to go out and, and I'm going to use some business words here, sell it. Because if you're not passionate about your product, you can't sell it. People will subconsciously pick up on that. That's going sort of back to that, um, that long list of, of jobs you have to do, the sales director. You're going to have to go out and sell your product. If you can't convince people about your passion for that product, that widget, they're just not going to buy it. Why, why do I want to buy from somebody who doesn't believe in it? Mm. And there's a little bit of subconscious stuff that goes on there that people can actually tell all you're doing is doing that without actually believing the heart. Yeah. And you know, the, you look at good salespeople, they believe 110% in the product that they're selling. It's why they are good natural salespeople. Mm. Anybody can sell only people who are really passionate about that product can make it look easy. Otherwise you, your legs are doing this all the time. So you've got, you have to have that passion, but you have to have that passion to go out into the outside world as well as make the widgets and talk to people about your passion. Mm. And a lot of self-employed people tend to fall over at that, that first hurdle. They can pay for social media. They can pay for a website, but they can't talk about their product. They can't communicate about their product. They may be passionate, but they can't tell anybody about it. Mm. Um, and that's, that's a big downer when three months in and you still haven't sold these fantastic widgets but three months ago, people were buying them on Etsy, but they won't buy them off your website because mm. it comes across as a slightly different product. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it's, it's not a, as I said, it's not a, a digital answer. It's a very great answer. Absolutely. Um, you know, passion for your product it has to be absolutely key, mm. whether you've been self-employed for 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, or five months, five days. You have mm. to have that passion. 
Yeah, that's that's a very some very good thoughts there. And I guess actually this this is where self awareness is really important because you can be honest about, with yourself about what your strengths and weaknesses are and where your weaknesses lie. You know, that's where you want to put the effort in because yes, it's about the business, but if you haven't done this before, there's going to be a huge amount of personal growth that's going to happen alongside. Yeah, um, and and again, that's where um, business mentors, business coaches like me step mm. in and coach people mentor people through those various jobs that they've never done before to get the best out of them or perhaps to say actually you've got a huge development area in sales Mm. you're passionate about your product but you couldn't sell snow to the eskimos you need to find somebody that can to work with you and and there are self-employed people who work as self-employed salespeople, self-employed art directors etc there's a huge market out there Mm. for self-employed people we find the right person that will work with you, your product. You do the financials because it has to be financially viable. Yeah. Or you have to go through a very, very hard learning curve. And that's where that resilience, the mental toughness comes in to learn to go out and communicate and sell something. Yeah. Just because the widget is good and you think it's good doesn't mean that her or him think it's good enough to buy. You've got to tell them that. That's it. I guess something else then that could could um, cause a little bit of an issue within selling things is pricing your product and working out what you, perhaps you're offering a service or your product is worth. So say, okay, we've got our concept. We, we're doing the personal growth. You know, we've been phasing out from our, our employment. We're taking this on a bit more. We've had, we've got the website, we've been doing some online sales, but you know, now we, we, we're actually approaching companies you know for 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 bulk orders or whatever it is or for to actually go in and and work rather than it being an online service it's a face-to-face service how can one look at oneself a service or a product and figure out a price range for that um and a way that's obviously going to support the business it's going to be sustainable and that's going to implement growth within the business as well um first thing Excuse me. So before you actually make the leap to full-time self-employment, yep. you should be thinking about something called the cost of doing business, CODB. And that literally, it, it does what it says on the tin. How much does it cost you to run a business? Mm. So you will have things like all of the, the websites to pay for your hosting. All of that's a cost. You will have things like your transport costs, potential food costs, all of that can, you know, everything that goes in. Everything that it costs you to make that widget is a cost to doing your business. Yep. Yep. On the opposite side, you've got all of your personal stuff that you need to pay for. So the business has to pay for your personal stuff. And especially if you're going to do it from a, I'm just going to jump ship and do it completely. Yeah. You're making 10,000 pounds in your business and you think, brilliant, 10 grand, I love it. However, your personal lifestyle is costing you 20,000 pounds a year or 10,000 pounds down. It's your like business is not working. Yeah. That, that's as simple as the maths get. Um, and I like to make it really simple for, for new businesses to start by that. So you have to go back to your business and you have to think, can I increase the price? Can I increase the value? I need to go back to the personal side. What can I reduce out of my outgoings to make the personal and the business match? Yeah. And that's a really very, very strategic high level on cost of doing businesses. Pricing a product comes down to your marketplace. What will your marketplace stand and where do you want to fit in your marketplace? So if this widget is, um, let's have a think, this widget is a paperclip. 
Now I can buy paper clips from office supplies for probably about $2.99 for 100. Or I can go to Tiffany's and buy a silver paper clip for two and a half thousand pounds. It is still a bit, if somebody wants to Google that, I think it's about two and a half grand. Um, it is still a paper clip, but Tiffany's are a higher brand, therefore they can charge that. Whereas 99.999% of the population just goes to the cheapest and you just need 100 paper clips for 2.99. Yeah. But they are still paper clips. Yeah. Every, every single business out there will have various stratas depending on where you fit. So if you think about a triangle, right at the bottom, the base of this triangle is where the lowest price for that widget is. Yeah. So you've got more people buying it. So you need to sell more to make the same amount of money the further up. Yeah. If all I want to do is make £2,500 a month selling paperclip, I go right to the pinnacle of the triangle and I call myself Tiffany. That's it. Yeah. However, if I'm selling paperclips at two ninety nine for 1000 I need to make a lot of money and make a lot of paperclips at the bottom of that triangle mm. at two ninety nine. That's where that cost of doing business comes in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, and then I sort of look and think, what value do I want to give? Where do I, do I want to give something for free? So when I started my photography business, I basically said, you can have me all day, all of your photos on a DVD, £250. And that was incredibly cheap. Mm. Um, but that's what I needed to get my name in the marketplace. I, need, I knew I needed to make a loss, but I had a, an income coming in anyway. But I knew I needed to make a loss to get a point in the marketplace. So I would shoot five weddings at £250. Then I would go up to £350 for the next five. Then for the next five, it would be 450 etc., etc. Until I'm at a position where... My business income pays for my lifestyle income. Mm. That's the big decision that you make as a business then is, do I want to grow or am I comfortable with what I'm earning? And I'm going to bring you back to that mental toughness, mental resilience bit. You have to take a long, hard look at yourself with your partner and ask yourselves how much is enough yeah. with regards to money. Yeah. You want to be multimillionaires, this business needs to expand. It needs to go a lot higher, a lot bigger. So you mm. need to do more work on it. All you want to do is make sure that the business pays for the lifestyle. You're just comfortable there. And to be blunt, that's where I am. That's yeah. all I want my business to do. I don't want to make multimillions. I just want to enjoy my life. And my business pays for the lifestyle that I need or I want. Yeah. yeah. And my pricing reflects that. My pricing on all of my businesses reflects my personal stuff. Yes, I can charge a lot more, but I don't want to because to be a bit less fair, it's not being lazy. It's just, it works at the minute. So I don't need to do any extra. That's it. You and found your equilibrium. Photography, yeah. 20 years of self-employment to get to that equilibrium that this pays for this. That's it. That's it. And not necessarily an overnight transition. It's long, hard it, grind. Well, as I said, you know, 80% of small businesses will fail after the first year because people think, I've got a website, buy me. Ah, no, it doesn't work like that. You've that's got it. to put that effort in. You really have to put the effort in. And that's mentally tough. Yeah. Um, we, we'll possibly come on to rejection later, but being told no time and time and time again is mentally tough. Yeah. Um, it, it hammers your self-confidence. It hammers your personal confidence. It hammers your whole outgoing 
that yeah. you're not good enough. Yeah. And all it needs is one person to say, actually, yeah, I think you are good enough. I will buy that product. That's and you're it. back on the top of Everest again. You're, yeah. you're there. You might have had 100 million rejections, but one person says, yes, you're back on the top. That's it. So that person, though, is your ideal client. And I'd, I'd like to dive into that a little bit now. So it's all very well, you know, setting your price range, having your business plan, building that mental resilience. You might have an awesome product. It might be really easy. One click. Thank you. Inspiration from Amazon. But how do you find that ideal client? I guess there's sort of two sides to this. There's, there's finding your ideal client and reaching your ideal client with, with marketing. So can we dive into that a little bit? Have you got any thoughts around that? Yes. Um, there's a link in <laughs> yes. the notes. I've got my photography website about um, finding my ideal client as a wedding photographer. Mm. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit and then I'll move on to the other aspects of my business. So as a wedding photographer, um, I include wedding albums. I don't do time limits. I do pre-shoots and I like Jaffa cakes. <laughs> you do like um, Jaffa cakes. And it's my full-time job. So I'm looking for ideal couples who won want a pre-wedding shoot who want to meet and build a relationship up, not just give me some money, take some photographs and done. I want a much more familiar, a much more consultative approach to a wedding. Mm. So that's a big thing. I'm looking for couples who want to invest in me and what I do. I'm looking for couples who want to invest in printed photographs in an album for memories. So they have a different outlook than just the whole digital stuff. You print a photograph, it means you you are preserving a memory pretty much permanently now. And those memories are important. So my house has got photographs all over of lots of different things. Um, I have my grand's, granddad's wedding photographs. I've got my mum's wedding album. My grand and granddad were married in 1944. Those memories, um, my voice is breaking up because I get a bit passionate about this. Those memories mean a lot to me because yeah. they are not there anymore. Um, and a lot, well, there's nobody in my grand and granddad's wedding photos that is alive, but they are still there in my memories. And I, and I can't remember them without that photograph now that being passed away so long. Yeah. But that is an important aspect. Um, the Jaffa Cakes is a little bit of um, an indicator. Have you read my website? Um, so if I get an email saying, really, blah, 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 I'd like to book you for our wedding, blah, 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 blah. Um, how many boxes of Jaffa cakes do I need to buy you for the discount? So means they've taken the, I know you're laughing, but it means they've taken the time to read through my website and not just price, click, contact. Yep. They're buying me for me and I'm very authentic. Yep. So that's on the photography side. I go down to giving them names and I look at what kind of car might they drive, what kind of income would they have, what educational level would they have. Um, if they've got children, how old they are, what would their outlook on bringing children up be? So mm. I want people who match my core inner values to work with. Yeah. I might be there in the summer for 16 hours with a couple. If we don't get on, that's 16 hours of pure hell. Yeah. Um, and no amount of money is worth that at mm. all. But did it, it did it take time to build that confidence up and that realisation of what works for you? probably about five to six years to get to that level where I, and it sounds arrogant. I know it sounds arrogant and I'm quite happy being called arrogant. I, you know, fine. But it works for me. Yeah. Um, it took about five or six years to get to that level where I thought I'm confident enough and successful enough with a brand that's there that people can recognize and they recognize my style of photography 
that I can be more choosy. I can decide who I want to work with. And if I don't like you as a couple, for whatever reason, I'm going to have a really hard conversation about, actually, I'm not the right photographer for you for a number of reasons. However, I have a whole list of other photographers that would fulfill your needs. Yeah. That's a very difficult conversation to have. Two or three times a year, I will have that conversation with couples. Mm. They do get upset, and you can see the disappointment in their nonverbal language. Mm. But on the flip side, they appreciate the complete authenticity and the honesty that somebody is saying, don't give me your money. I, we, it, it, won't be the, it won't be the wedding that you want. You know, so instantly it goes bang the face drops that kind of thing and then the instantly it's actually he's saying the right thing he's doing the decent thing yeah um on the other side of my businesses so on the, the business coaching i'm looking for people who really want to to do it to make it i i'm not looking for somebody who's interested in making lots of money very quickly because it doesn't work like that yeah and they are really quickly to sit down 10 minutes into a conversation, I will know whether or not your passion that we've talked about earlier is there or you just want to make a shed load of money in the shortest possible time. And business isn't like that. If you want to do that, multi-level marketing, the pyramid schemes, you'll get caught, you'll get fined and you're put in prison. Yeah. Does that answer the question in a roundabout way? It's- it does, it does. And I, and I just want to dive a little bit more into the marketing side itself. So I can imagine, depending on who your client is, you need to analyse how you want to get yourself out there. Um, you know, I guess for, for... Well, let's dive into your wedding photography as an example. So when you started out, how did you start to get your name known? So obviously I can assume, first of all, you know, you're offering a cheap price. You probably started with people you knew. Um, I'll just go through these and then correct me if, if they're wrong. Um, secondly, you know, you're hoping then through word of mouth, that reputation is going to be built up because you're doing a really good service. Um, and thirdly, I guess you talked about it. You, you wore your business on your sleeve. And if people, you know, you interact with someone and they ask, you know, who are you? What do you do? You tell them and you sell it. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back to that little point, but just work yep. with me on this, Abby. Um, yes. What are you wearing? A hoodie. Yeah, Spend more the time in the wild, hoodie. That's your business, yeah? <laughs> yes, it is. Therefore, you are the business, and that, that's part of being self-employed. I am Andrew Miller Photography, Dreaming of the Outdoors, Andrew Miller Education, what, yeah. all my other businesses, I'm, I'm the face of that business. So if I'm running one business, as you are, you wear the, the hoodie, you talk about it constantly. Yeah. If I've got multiple business heads on, I'm thinking, right, in this group of people, I need to be this head, and that's all I talk about. Mm. Um, I am the face of that business. Now, starting out, there's only so many people that you will know that will buy your widget. Yeah. And you will soon just get rid of that. You'll just, you'll, they will get sick of you. It's a little bit like um, Avon products, perhaps. Yeah, your friends will jump in and then, to be blunt, they will get sick of you trying to flog them more Avon products. You need to expand it. Mm. So you need to go out and market it. Back in the day, he says, Facebook was fabulously free. You didn't need to pay for adverts. You just bombard it. it. Um, and that helped. Word of mouth helped, but I don't use word of mouth because I'm, I'm a bit more for a fussy bugger now. And, and I found that couples want, they like to trust re, um, personal reviews, but they also want to be different from their friends who are getting married. Mm, okay. As the same photographer, I'm not being different. Got it. Fine. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I, I, I prefer that because I like to be different. Um, 
I go out and I market using social media. I market at face-to-face, at wedding fairs, wedding exhibitions, um, anywhere that I can see. So I'm at a wedding. I will deliberately choose people to help me hold my light stands who potentially have a rock on a finger, who are loved up, yeah. because I'm giving them an experience of Andrew Miller photography. This is what, if you pick me, this is what your wedding is going to be like. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And that's where it should be. So I deliberately ask for help from people who have a rock on their finger. Mm-hmm. So I'm targeting potential clients at a wedding. Mm. Um, on the other side of that, the coaching, um, the outdoor stuff that I do, and we're, we're, we're sort of, we're in the same sphere. We're not quite in competition, but we do similar things. So it's, I suppose it's advice for both of us here. I would be looking at people who want to go out and wild camp for the first time but are absolutely terrified of where to go, what to take, what it's going to be like. I can't really afford it. Um, and I've never, ever done it before. Mm. So I've got five criteria. So if I'm going to put an advert together, whether it's social media or otherwise, I'd be saying things like, I'm looking for people who want to experience a night outdoors under the sun, under the stars. It's very expensive. I will provide the equipment for you. Mm. Tick in the box. Yeah, because as you know and I know, I had what two hundred pounds, two hundred and fifty pounds, two hundred pounds to buy a set of kit. Adds up. They might not like it. Yeah, and you know, you've instantly lost fifty percent of your money there. Whereas, I will help you by giving you the kit. Mm. And yes, that will cost more than one hundred and fifty pounds. Sorry, less less than one hundred and fifty pounds. But if you don't like it, all you can do is walk away. But you've got a great set of photographs and memories. Yeah. You do like it. Well, just keep using me as a mentor about what you want to buy, and I will save you the money by telling you you don't need to buy um, a three and a half thousand pounds, you know, so Hilleberg tent, whatever. When all you're going to do is camp in the Lowlands. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of a sense. Little bit. And I think I think that's really helpful. I identify who I'm looking for, and I, and I do, yeah, and I do identify people like that, and I will give them names. Mm. I will make them a person. Mm. So they're in my head when I'm de- developing that product, mm. I'm not developing a product. I'm developing something that would help Jane and John. Yep. Yeah. No, really good. Really helpful. Here at Wild, we are passionate about the power of time spent outdoors for the benefit of mental and physical health. Additionally, we also believe that connection and community are some of the most empowering things we can focus on to better our sense of well-being. In January of 2020, I set up a Patreon page with the aim of providing a safe, supportive and inspirational online space that anyone can join from anywhere in the world. By becoming a member, you are not only helping us to change lives through facilitating the creation of new content, you are showing up for others, looking to live a more wholehearted and authentic way of life. Here's one of our Patreons having their say. Hey there, my name's Andrew. Uh, I've been a member of uh, the Wild Patreon group now since uh, June last year, uh, joined shortly after lockdown. I've always had an interest in the outdoors and I uh, loved uh, Abby's videos for a number of years, so delighted when I was able to be part of the community. One of the main benefits is my wife suffers with mental health and uh, I've always admired Abby's struggles uh, with it, which are evident in the videos. So. It was really a good opportunity for me to be able to understand uh, what mental health is and how getting outside can really help and benefit that. So thanks, Abby, for everything you do. 
Andrew, you're a legend. I love your message. Thank you for this. So folks, why not join us today? You'll gain access to our incredible online community, plus loads of other perks too. From live sessions and monthly hangouts, giveaways and blogs, extra podcast episodes, early access to some of our films, discounts to wild walks, talks and events, one-to-one workshops and coaching, personalised exclusive merch and so much more. Head to patreon.com forward slash spend more time in the wild to find out more. Now, let's get back to the show. So we've talked a little bit about rejection and mental resilience, and I think they sort of come side by side. And I think, first of all, to even you know entertain this endeavor of starting up a business, you definitely need that resilience, that passion. We've touched on a lot of things. Um, but as you said, rejection, especially repeated rejection, is really hard to handle. Whether you're in an, employ- an employment or whether you're self-employed and employing others or whatever it looks like. So can we dive into that a little bit and, and what it what it looks like and what it takes to coach ourselves and work with ourselves through the setback through never negative experience through criticism and through rejection um rejection is rejection after rejection is probably um one of the reasons that most businesses do fail that individuals cannot cope with that rejection Mm. um and it is it's emotionally and physically draining to have those constant setbacks after setbacks after setbacks after setbacks um and what sets the successful business owners apart from everybody else is that mental resilience to keep positive to look on the positive side of something and reframe the setback and continue to keep going um and it's reframing something so that you for instance i I may go to a wedding fair and at a wedding fair there might be a hundred other exhibitors there may be 10 other wedding photographers I might not make a booking at the wedding fair. In fact, I don't want a booking at the wedding fair. I don't see that as a failure that other photographers might do. I see that as one, nobody who was my ideal client came into that wedding fair. Two, I've handed out 30 odd leaflets, business cards and spoken to 30 odd couples who may come back to me. Mm. Therefore it's not a failure. It's just, they haven't booked yet. Mm. So I handle it and I reframe it completely differently than nobody booked me and get really sad. I don't let myself, I reframe that rejection. Mm. You didn't like me? Well, that's fine. You're probably not the right client for me anyway. Mm. You didn't like my YouTube channel? That's fine. You're probably not my target market. End of and and move on. When you get people constantly giving you negative feedback, um, whether it's on a YouTube channel, social media, and I've, I've had the same talking about my, on my um, Dreaming of the Outdoors coaching, that people don't appreciate the value of coaching, I'll personally engage in a conversation with them rather than just taking the, the negativity and reframing the question, constantly looking at the positives. Yeah. Now, that's the mental resilience that I as an individual have built up. For you and people listening, watching to build up, it isn't just a quick fix. I can't come in and coach you and it's going to work suddenly. It takes time. Mm. So one of the big things, I've got a list of things I'm going to go through here. Um, Physical health. Mental resilience is also about your physical health. If you are physically not on top of the world, your mental resilience starts to drip and drop. Sorry, your mental resilience starts to drop. So trying to keep yourself as fit as you can within the confines of your own personal fitness levels is really important. If you are in 
a self-employed sedentary job, so you're a social media um, specialist, so you're going to sit down at a computer, getting out, going for a walk, getting fresh air, keeping yourself physically fit will help you keep mentally active and mentally awake as well. Meditation helps. Now, when people say meditation, a lot of instant goes down to sitting cross-legged going, um, um, and I can see you're laughing, yeah. In my head, meditation is get yourself in the garden with a glass of juice and sit and listen. Listen to the birds, listen to the insects, start to really concentrate on what's going on around you. That's what meditation is to me. Um, I prefer to do that on the top of a mountain with nobody else there because I like the solitude and the quietness. Mm. But that meditation helps to frame things in a little bit better way for me. Yeah. Um, that mindfulness at its most raw, as far as I'm concerned, just you're there with nature completely. Take your shoes off, get in touch with the grass, the mud, the rocks, the snow, whatever, and really deep down. Um, Find purpose and meaning in your life in general. So why do you do what you do? Um, So you need to look yourself in the mirror there when you're doing that. So I said right at the start, I do it because I like helping people. If you're going to do it because you want money, be completely honest and say, I want to make some money. I want to make enough to have a lifestyle that I want. There's nothing wrong with making money. Mm. And if you look at the rejection and it comes again and again, you reframe that, not my client, need to look at the ideal client list, and keep going and going again. Perspective. Um, look at the wider context of it. So I'm sorry, my hands look very like um, <laughs> that's perspective. Yeah, that, well, actually, yeah, I like that. That's perspective. Um, will the same issue still be here in a week, a month, a year, two years? Probably not. Mm. They are probably going to, to, to disappear. New issues will come up. But the issue that you're facing now will probably slide down. Another one will come up. And that's where that mental resilience to keep coming back, keep being a little bit positive comes in. Mm. The sort of the final one, um, final couple, help yourself by asking for help. Nobody can cope with it. I get coached myself. I'm I'm a coach, um, master's level in coaching and mentoring, etc. I still have a coach to help me because sometimes I need their external input to refocus and reframe and help build my mental resilience a little bit more. Mm. As the saying goes, no person is an island. So everybody needs help. That big step is in asking for help. And many, many people don't do it until right at the last possible minute. And then it's a huge struggle to try and keep the businesses working. Yeah. Continuous improvement. Um, the Japanese word for this is Kaizen. Constantly look at what you're doing. What can you keep doing? What can you start doing? What can you stop doing? So at the end of every week, sit yourself down, look in the mirror. What have I done? What can I keep, start and stop doing? So you're constantly improving yourself and your business. And you give yourself positive ego strokes. That was a really good thing. I liked that that worked. I got lots, you know, I got five or six likes on that photograph or a couple of thousand likes on that YouTube video. So what did I do in that video that I didn't do in that video that only got a couple of hundred likes? Mm. And you analyze it that will give you that mental resilience and you're breaking down your business at the same time to figure out what is actually working for mm. the people you're working with. Yeah. The next and the last one is the one that most people will feel very, very scared, very nervous, very anxious and very uncomfortable about. And that is being uncomfortable, putting yourself in situations that are deliberately uncomfortable for you as an individual. Mm. 
and then you learn to understand what those feelings are, the emotional, physiological, the physical, the mental feelings, so that when you start going into those feelings, you've got some way of getting back out of them. So putting yourself into situations where out of your comfort zone, for want of a better word. So for some people, that might be walking up a mountain. They've never done it before. They're going to be absolutely terrified. They might be a bit nervous of heights, so they don't want to go too close to the edge. Putting people into that uncomfortableness and then sitting them down with a cup of tea. How did you feel? What were you feeling? What was going through your mental head? What was going through your physical head? So the next time you feel that back in a business environment, this is what we're going to do to yeah. overcome that. Yeah. Um, and that's where people like myself, coaches come in and using the psychology, using um, psychometrics, personal psychometrics to help people understand themselves a lot better work to build their mental resilience. Yeah. How's that for a start of a 10? I think that was quite incredible actually. And there's so much we could dive into. Um, but I, I want to each one of those. <laughs> we could break them down, but I might need you to run through them all again. Yeah. No, I, I want to jump into a balance and, and that work life balance, that very common phrase that's thrown out there. And you know, you've talked a lot about look essentially self care there and the importance of communication and connection. You've talked yeah, about yeah. um well, all sorts of different things and, 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 and learners mindset as well. And when it comes to these things, they take time as well, essentially looking after ourselves sometimes, particularly if we have got mental or physical health um, issues in the mix, that can feel like the full-time job. I mean, I can certainly speak from experience, you know, I'm very open about my mental health and some days it's like that has to take priority over anything else that is scheduled in because it doesn't matter if I've got the money, if I don't have the life, if that makes sense. Well, so how, how, how would you help somebody find that balance um, between you know, processing their emotions and sort of putting them on the back burner because the job has to get done. I'm going to reframe what you just said right at the start of that piece. It's not a work-life balance. It's a life-work balance. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Your life comes first, period, yeah. end, end of. No, um, and I'm on, a, I'm, on, I'm on a mission when I work with HR people to actually say it's life-work balance yeah. first. Yeah. You know, from a HR point of view, you, you, it's the people that are important. It's human resources, people. Mm. You know, it's not, you know, work resources. Um, and that's the balance that you need to get. So, you know, going back to y yourself, perhaps, um, your mental health issues have to come first because that's, that's your life. Yeah. And that's where building up a network around you of people, whether or not you pair them, whether or not they are friends who can help run that little part of your business, or you can make your business almost semi-autonomous helps. So you, you need to look at yourself right at the start of that process. We'll go right back to the, the start about being self-employed. And if you are currently physically fit, mentally fit, great, crack on. If you're not, then we need, to, we need to, to run the business in a slightly different way. If you suffer from mental health issues, they are going to have an impact on your work issues. Mm. So how do we cope when the mental health issues become a little bit too much to cope with, but you still need to do the work? Who can I call on to help me do some of that work? Who do I trust to do some of that work? And that's that first, do I really want to become self-employed conversation? Yeah. Um, bringing that a little bit away from mental health into a, a conversation I have very often with females who come into becoming self-employed. Um, one of the questions that I ask is, have you thought about children? What's going to happen if you have children and your business? 
yeah. you know, and that's the same, you know, it, it's a massive impact. No, actually, no, I didn't. Um, you're going to have to put some thought into that mm. because you can't run a business if you're eight and a half months pregnant and you're waddling around and it's an active outdoor business that you're running. It's just not going to work. Yeah. So you need to find people who can do that bit for you that you can trust. And that's the same with the mental health side. It's the same with anything. If you have a physical disability, a physical impairment, who can you get that will be able to stand in and help while you're perhaps getting the physical impairment sorted out? And it could be something like a chronic back pain. Um, that's, that's essentially what my advice would be. But that's right at the start of, do I want to become self-employed? We, we're open about our strengths. Um, and I'm going to call them development areas. Abby, you mentioned weakness. Um, I don't like the word weakness. It's a development area okay. um, because weakness has negative connotations to it. A development area means actually I just need to get a little bit better at something. Yeah, that's and sometimes it's a little bit better. Sometimes it's a big piece. And part of that development is understanding that if it's too big and you know, at a certain age, just forget about the development. It's not going to work. Um, so my grammar and spelling is atrocious. So to help me over, I, I know it is, it, it's a waste of time sending me on any amount of corporate courses. So I use Grammarly, hi Grammarly, we're not sponsored by you, um, to help me overcome that when I'm writing online. That's mm -hmm. my development area, I've identified it and I've fixed it. Yeah. yeah, That makes me feel better that when I am writing something, it should look pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. And I think there's there's some really good pieces of information there you know that that life work balance that actually life has to come first well-being has to come first because if you're not functioning the whole thing's not going to function yeah. but what about then connection and community because i feel a very common phrase is oh you know i really want to start this business i think it's a great idea but i just need a bit more confidence i just need a bit more time and i think quite often there's a number of words that disguise a lack of people around us who speak the language, who are further ahead and we can sort of follow that path, who we can be inspired, empowered and pulled forwards by. So how can we find or build a community when it comes to self-employment? Um, I've, used, I've used one of your words here, um, finding your tribe. Yeah. Um, and essentially that's it. And you're, you know, the, the word tribe is to me just a loose collection of individuals who have very similar outlooks to you. Mm. How do you find them? 99% um, of the time you'll find each other. I, I, I really do believe that people with particular outlooks, particular outlooks on life, etc., will just congregate to each other, whether it's on social media, whether it's at networking groups, and you'll find that tribe that you build up the looser connections, a bit like an onion skin, perhaps. Mm. You build up the looser connections, you get to know the tribe a bit more. And then, you know, you've got the core people in that tribe who you then can trust to do the work when you can't. Mm. And it might not be a formal thing. It could just be um, wedding photography. I've got a little tribe around me for my business coaches, predominantly they're in the wedding industry. Um, I'm busy on this date. I've just been asked to, to move a date for another couple. I can't do it. Can anybody else do it? Mm. And that's it. And I trust them enough that they can do the work. They trust me enough, vice versa. Um, I was having that conversation yesterday with a videographer and another photographer and um, a couple. I'm doing one part of the wedding. Um, another photographer is doing another part of the wedding. And I basically said to the other photographer, you second shoot for me on another date. Let's just not worry about the money. We'll just do a straight swap for skills. Yeah. 
that's finding the right tribe. There are people in that tribe who perhaps can't do the photography, but can do some marketing for me, can do the video stuff for me if I need to do it. Yeah. And you gravitate to the tribe that suits your own personality. So your Patreon group and your Facebook Patreon group mm. is entirely different from my little tribe. The, 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 you know, the look, the feel, it, it's completely different. Yeah. But they are still very, very helpful and very uber supportive of each other. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but the tribe that I've got, um, I get very, I get overly protective about them sometimes. Agreed. Um, <laughs> to the extent that, right, you've just upset one of my coaches. I'm online. I don't care about this. Um, but we are different people when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, finding individuals, you will gravitate towards each other. If you, you set up a social media group, people will, will find you. Um, yeah. It's keeping people inside with the same outlook as you, the same moral code, the same ethics. Um, and there's people in that group that suffer from mental health issues. There's people in that group that suffer from childcare issues. It's just huge, but they are very, very supportive, very much like yours. We're in a different supportive way. It's much, mm. it's business focused first. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is much more mental health, physical health, um, emotional space supportive. Yeah. But the two tribes do yeah. pretty much the same thing. Mm. Um, I think that if they did a skill, a skill swap in your particular tribe, your Patreon tribe, mm. people would quite happily say, you know, I can pick that up for you if you, if you need to go into hospital and, you know, look after your husband or your wife. Mm. And there wouldn't be any, I don't think there'd be any payment involved. It yeah. would just be a nice, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do you find your tribe? I think you just gravitate towards each other. It's like gravity, well, gravity. You, you, you just find people like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything we're talking about is intentional. None of this is accidental, really. It's, it's putting in the work, it's putting in the time, it's, it's following that passion. But I want to ask you a very simple question, but arguably not. Oops, what, right. in your opinion, because I think we've, we've touched on it a lot, but I, I think if there, if there is a definitive black and white answer, although I'm not sure there is, then I'd like to know it. What is success? Because ultimately, that's what we're working for with this. You know, we've touched on, on, on that life-work balance. We've touched on, you know, financially being able to meet the needs of your personal and business life. But what is success to you? Um, to me as an individual? Yeah. Um, to, okay, so I, I defined what success looks like for me. Yep. And I sort of redefine that every three, five years as mm. part of my life plan. Success for me is having enough money to pay the bills, Go to the cinema when it used to be open once a month. Go out for a meal once a month. Done. Yeah. That's that's, it. That's ideal. Nothing more complicated than that. Yeah. Okay. But so then you have a a coachee and they are steering towards a particular goal. Is success reaching that goal or is it something else? Well, again, that's part of what I would bring out with the coachee and Mm. define what success looks like. Yeah. Um, And we've, we've spoken briefly previously on success for you in an individual area and it's trying to get that focus from this right the way down so that you can really focus on what success like so when it happens you know it's happened and you can stop and for different people in different stages of their life it is going to be completely different yeah um it could be that for a younger 22 23 year old individual um ashley um for instance videographer that i've coached success for him is financial success buying his house Mm. um 
very, very young, that's it. Starting a family and having enough money to pay all of that. It could be having a lifestyle that you aspire to, that that's what you want. Mm. It could be putting your children through university. Therefore, you have to work towards a financial gain to help something like that. Yeah. It, success means lots of different things to other people. It could be just being emotionally happy. Mm. Um, and that's where that life coaching part comes in that I do. From a, a business perspective, if you're not emotionally happy, we need to park the business stuff and think about what your life is like mm. so that the two are congruent. They work together. Yeah. Um, and occasionally that sort of goes into relationships because all three of those areas interact with each other. If you're in a relationship and you're not emotionally happy for some reason, it impacts on your business, which impacts on your success. Yeah. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in a relationship or how short it is or it, it, everything impacts sometimes. My own relationship with my wife, it goes through those ups and downs when we're both really busy. We've never seen each other for days on end because it's, we, we go up to work, come back. All, we have to look at the relationship and work on it to make our separate businesses work. Yeah. And sometimes we need to go out with one of our friends and we get a serious talking to. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's all it needs is like, you two, sit down. I'm going to tell you the truth here. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. We got so involved in, each, in our individual bits. Mm. Our external person doing that is often a safer way than trying to discuss it because it's too emotional. Yeah, bringing in that. Lots of that tangents app. have gone off on there because it's, it's a huge area, you know, what does mm. success look like? Absolutely. That's no, and, and I, I sort of expected that. But um, yeah, it's good to, good to hear those, those reflections. I'm sort of interested now because this is almost a personal question because I'm at the point now we've spent more time in the wild where it's time, you know, I'm bringing in other people to help with the workload. And you and I, we've worked together before and we've talked about, for example, my, my company, Wild, being the, the, the screaming baby or the child, you know, that needs the attention, it needs the love, it needs looking after. And it's very scary bringing somebody else in and essentially saying, can you look after the child for this, this part of the day? Yeah. Having to, to let go and to trust and believe and to forge those relationships and, and dive in deep. So for anybody who's at this stage, you know, they've got their business, but they have bigger dreams, bigger visions, and actually they're at the limit of what they can handle. This ship is too big to steer solo now. What would you say there to somebody who's looking to make that leap to finding people to work with? You need to be very, very clear on the parameters of where their individual is going to come in and what they are going to do. Yeah. So it's not just a matter of, would you mind coming in just doing social media work for me? That's it's huge. Yeah. What I want you to come in is do three, po three Facebook posts every week, three Instagram posts on alternate days, and one Instagram TV on every Sunday. Yeah. And they need to be at a particular time. So I'm looking there at smart objectives, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. Mm -hmm. So very much focused on getting it done. Once you've got the individual who can come in, work to those parameters, work to those smart objectives, and the work is of sufficient quality that you've set, you slowly start to build the trust up. So it, it's, it's just like, a, you know, going back to the baby analogy, um, you trust the babysitter first time or are you constantly on the phone how is she how is she I'm just going to pop to the loop you know to you say to your partner over dinner and actually actually you just get on the phone how's the baby how's the baby <laughs> meanwhile the babysitter who's been doing it for 20 plus years yeah 
It's fine. It's okay. I've got six children of my own. I know what to do. But you have to build that trust up. The individual that you're working with understands and knows that. Yeah. Yep. So it might be your baby. They know it's your baby. They don't want to take your baby off. They've got their own little business and they're quite happy about it. Yeah. They don't want to steal yours. It's yours. Yeah. Who wants to steal a screaming child, for goodness sake? <laughs> Nobody. But what they want to do is help people get a little bit better. So I, I firmly believe that everybody has got a really good heart at heart. Yeah. Um, but it's finding the people like that. So specific objectives, mm-hmm. smart objectives, specific about what you want to get them to do. You are very specific about the contract side of things. You potentially ask them for example pieces of work. You then put a little bit of a contract together and it could be just a, a, one, a one sheet, half a paragraph on, you'll do this work at this price at this time. Mm. Really, really simple. You give them the piece of work, they do it to the right standard and you've got you know, a little bit of trust built up. Yeah. So you've, you've trusted them a little bit more. You do it again and again and each time that trust sort of rises exponentially that you get to the stage where you probably don't need a contract anymore. You just trust them that actually, you know, I don't, I'm going to talk about Bobby, the, the photographer. I, I, I would pass all of my work to. Mm. I know that I can trust her 110% and say, well, she, she is doing weddings for me this year because I got double booked with the, the date rooms. I, I don't need to worry. Just there's my couple. I'll sort the finances and the invoicing out. Just go in, do it. I'm not interested in anything else. Yeah. But it takes time to get there. Bobby has been, she must have done 25, 30 weddings with me to get to that stage that I trust her that much that I will give her my own couples. Mm. Um, my baby, there you go. And I just don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Now that's it good. Time. And That's it. it, does it. Take time. And it, finding that tribe and that person will become part of your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. And then the patience and the grace with oneself is, is really important as well. You know, that actually this is a big deal for me or for whoever, you know, handing this over and there's going to be a steep learning curve. But what then say you've got a little bit of a team going on, whether they're volunteering, you know, or whether it's they're, they're joining you as self-employed or whether you're looking to actually become an employer. What makes a good leader? <laughs> Um, I run five-day courses on that in the Middle East. Um, Good question. Massive. I know. (laughs) Um, The ability to make everybody a cup of tea in your team and nobody complains. How's that? I like that answer. I can make Um, you a good cup of tea, right? (laughs) Yeah, we could do do better. I'm I'm being polite, but yeah. Um, Right, so that, that was a little bit flippant. However, that... I'm going to use that, that cup of tea. The leader who makes a cup of tea for everybody and gets it right, the amount of milk, the right mug, the right temperature of tea, the right colour of tea, the right tea bag or coffee, whatever, it means that they can do it because they know their, their team, they know their individuals. Yeah. They do something that I would call servant leadership. Yeah. Um, and that, that's essentially how I like to lead. It's not you know, they don't do things for me. I do things for them. I make mm. their life as easy as possible. I make myself as easy as possible to work with. I'm mm. not a ranting and raving kind of throw my teddies out. If something goes wrong, it happens. Let's have a sit down. What did you learn? That's, that's it. A good leader 
understands the individual more than themselves and they change their personal style to suit the individual. Yeah. Um, that's uh, John Adair's situational leadership as a theory coming in there. So if we were on a team together and I was your manager, Abby, I wouldn't manage you in the same way that I would manage an individual over here or an individual over there. Yeah. I'd manage you in the way that you wanted to be managed. Not me, but you. It's all about mm. you, not me. And that's what a good leader is. It's looking at the individuals around you, looking at their strengths, their development areas, their nuances, their differences, and managing people to them mm. as an individual. So yeah. being a servant to their emotions, being a servant to their body language, yeah. not right, this is what you're going to do. That's so 19th century. And I see so many times that that still happens in the 21st century. Mm. I despair that when I see that kind of management, and I've seen that in the, well, I've seen that in the past, um, what are we, in the past four months, and I've walked out of a position when I've seen that happen because it's not where I want to be as an individual, one, working for them, or two, knowing that they can be so much better. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? Good. I think I like it does. The tea, the tea bit in another lecture that I do. Yeah, it's it's very good, and I love that that phrase, servant leadership. It it really resonates with me. You know, it's 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 being alongside the people you're working with, isn't it? And steering and helping them grow. And and I'm a big believer, for example, with Wild, that anybody who comes on board, I want to I'd like see them as or offer them opportunities to grow in themselves personally in themselves in professional skills so that when they decide you know cool my time is done with wild they can then go off into something bigger and better and, and flourish and grow even more um and 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 i think i want to flip that on its head now i mean i'm, I'm conscious of the time so we'll start to draw this thing to a close but i'm um, what about then you've got you've got a team you've got people who are dipping in and out you know they're overseeing different things it's sort of flowing you've reached that perhaps success point and and you're just going to go upwards what about dealing with criticism or people who have opposing opinions or just don't quite understand what you're doing whether it's in a business sense whether it's actually in a personal sense you know friends or partners or other people who are just not quite following along um and have something to say about it what, what would you recommend there um i i i look for, for i look for my friends but people who i would call my friends who are able to have two completely opposing opinions in their head at the same time and deal with it yeah um and not get upset with each other about it so i've got an opinion on cameras for instance and somebody else will have an opinion on cameras and we can have a sensible conversation and at the end of it we can go for actually we can go for a drink in england because i live in wales we still can't do that we can go for a drink in england and we're best buddies we can have an absolutely ranting raving shouting screaming match but we can still go for a drink at the end of it yeah if I can't find people like that, they are not my friends. They are not who I want to be associated with. I want people that can understand somebody else's point of view. They might not agree with it, but they can understand where my heart lies, where my opinion lies. Your opinion is valid. I might disagree with it, but you are entitled to your opinion. Yeah. That's it. Um, and that's who I try and find in, in the tribe around me. Mm. Um, and I and I think I've done a pretty good job, and I'm very cautious about who who I let into that group. Yeah, the team dynamics that we were talking about working because of that, um, and it's it's hard when you get 
conflict situations and dealing with conflict. Um, I've got various psychological tools I can use, or Thomas Kilman stuff like that, um, to deal with it. Where do you sit on a conflict level? Mm. I think dealing with conflict is also about dealing with your own emotional state and understanding your emotional state. So that comes into something called emotional intelligence. The more emotionally intelligent you are as an individual, the more in tune you are with your own emotions and in tune with somebody else's emotions. Therefore, you can begin to understand when the person opposite you is getting a little bit too heated, a little bit too upset, and you do that servant leadership and drop the temperature down. You might not want to because the back of your head, you're saying, I am bloody right. But the right thing to do is back it down a bit. Yeah. It's not about winning all the time. It's about the longer term, the the longer term relationship that you want with individual members of staff, individual relationships, et cetera. Mm. We have to compromise all the time. Yeah. Um, it, It drives me nuts that after 20 years, Suzanne still does things. It, it, she, she uses, it, she'll, she'll know she uses every single pan in the kitchen and I'm tidying after her in the kitchen. 20 years, it's not going to change. It's a yeah, compromise. It, it. it happens. <laughs> it still drives me nuts, but it drives me nuts to the stage. Yeah, okay, fair enough. 20 years ago, I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> and now it's just not going to happen. And, and, and I know I would drive her nuts as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, And there's things that my friends will drive me nuts, but I still love my friends. Mm. Um, Fiona and I have completely different opinions on a couple of things. We still love each other to bits. We still got walking together to bits. Yeah. Doesn't mean that we're not going to, you know, fall out. It just we recognise and respect each other's opinions. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's it's very very helpful, and and I think it's it's really cool. You know, we we've covered a very diverse range of subjects here, and and you know, in some ways, we've really just skimmed across the surface as you say you know some of these things leadership for example you mean you can take a week-long course it's it's true you know in fact business management there's degrees in that and master degrees in that it's it's all huge yeah. but i think you know it's a good thing that we've talked about all of these things and hopefully you know it'll, it'll remove some of the air of mystery towards stepping into self-employment for listeners if that's something that's that's on their heart and mind to do so as we wrap this thing up andrew is there anything you feel that perhaps we've missed or any final pieces of advice or direction that you'd like to give listeners if they are feeling pumped and inspired by this and would like to take some forward steps um there is lots of free help about Mm. um so yes full disclosure i am a business coach people pay me to do this um, if you're in Wales, you can get my help for free. If you're in England, you'll have to pay. Or find your Chamber of Commerce and ask what help is there that they're available. Go to your local council and ask what help they're available. Local authorities often have organisations set up to offer advice to new startups, potential startups, new businesses. They'll give you free training courses. All of the stuff that we talked about right at the start, you can get for free. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, it might be worthwhile paying for somebody to give you an idea of what help you need to ask for. But after that, keep that part of your little tribe and then get everything free as much as you possibly can. There's loads of free stuff and reach out to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to ask the mentorship from somebody um, on a, on a formal level. You might have to pay on an informal level. If all you want to do is email me, Facebook me, I'll quite happily just type a couple of messages and I'll quite happily do that. I'm not going to charge you for that. Yeah. It'll cost me too much money in invoicing and timing. <laughs> uh, if you want to sit down and meet, yes. Um, but a message on Facebook or an email, yeah, dead easy to fill out, isn't it? So, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people 
afraid of asking for that. Mm. Um, and it's becoming more and more common that people will give their time for free as well. So just ask for help. That's it. No, I think that's a, then ask for it. That's it. I think that's a fantastic place to to end this conversation. And of course, anyone listening to this who would like to get in touch with Andrew, just head to the website and the show notes and you'll be able to find all the links and details and contact and everything you need will all be there in a nice and easy way. But listen, Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really wonderful to, to, to dive into this subject with you and you really approach it with, with, with an ease that makes it feel doable. And I think that's, that's a really good gift to have. Um, you know, you're, you're helping, I'll never forget from our, from our last conversation, you know, um, push people forwards. Um, and well, funnily enough, I said, I never forget, but now my brain's just gone blank. But <laughs> <laughs> That is me down to a T, you know, I was thinking Absolutely. about authenticity and yeah. it's like, yeah, authenticity is important, but Hey, you, you can't hide when you're doing a podcast recording. This is me folks. <laughs> Um, before we go, yeah. um, right at the start, Abby and I were chatting about self-employment, and I, you know, basically, as a self-employed person, I've got a laptop and I can work anywhere. Yeah. And Abby particularly liked the background; it's like very strict and formal. Um, I'm just going to show you. I'm just going to take the laptop and do a 360 of where I'm actually working at let's the do minute. It. So, listeners, so, you're going to want to jump onto the video, which is easy enough. But let's yeah, have a look um, at this. What right, I so think is that quote I forgot. I'm going to turn you to my left slowly. So there's some garden furniture. Fantastic. It's very glamorous, Andrew. There's the wall. <laughs> the photography light. Oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's my aspect. That's nice view. I like that. <laughs> and there's the rest of the summer house. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, so being self-employed, if you don't need an office, don't get an office. You can work anywhere. Have a laptop, have a phone, get yourself out. That's it. Um, it it's not about being a fixed place in a fixed office if you can get connectivity you can work anywhere absolutely and, um, sometimes the better places i've worked have been outdoors and and, and enjoyed the time and, and got that mindfulness anywhere yeah spot on no that's awesome andrew thank you for sharing that and um you know the feng shui of the background is real good but we all understand just like with the duck thing you know the swan or whatever on the surface and underneath those yeah, those legs are going professional this is just an absolute nightmare <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, you take care and um, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast sometime pretty soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Abby. All Bye-bye right. Now. Bye. Bye. It's push those in front of you and pull those who are behind you. There we go. I got there in the end. Anyway, as a small business owner myself, I found talking with Andrew hugely insightful. I love his approach and how he breaks everything down, making it easy to understand and digest. I really hope that you found something to take away from this episode too, that you can apply to your life, even if not in a career, then maybe a passion or a hobby. If you'd like to find out more about Andrew, then head to the show notes and there's a whole bunch of links there. And I really just ask that wherever you're listening today, you hit subscribe, you leave us a review and you share this episode as far and as wide as you can. So folks, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. And until next time, stay wild.